Hello, and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this podcast, we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode, we looked at Malmö FF's highly rated teenage midfielder, Hugo Larsson, who is rapidly becoming a symbol of relationism in European football with his newfound role in Henrik Rydström's functional play tactics. Today, though, we will be switching from Sweden to England to look at a young centre-back with a massive future ahead currently on the books of arguably the greatest team on the planet and has had a superb campaign on loan at Coventry City. That player is Callum Doyle, if you haven't guessed it by now. Doyle has been very important for Mark Robbins' Sky Blues as they fought for promotion back to the promised land of the Premier League for the first time in 22 years. By the time this podcast is being recorded, Coventry's playoff final has not been played yet and so we don't actually know whether Coventry have been promoted or not. But you will when listen to this, of course. The Manchester City loanee has also been called up to England's under-20s squad ahead of the under-20s World Cup too, and is being linked with a move to some top clubs such as Eintracht Frankfurt this summer. So it's time to look at Doyle's style of play, strengths and weaknesses while also trying to predict his potential. To do so, I'll be joined by my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marquez, who has watched Doyle very closely over the past few months, as have I. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps us to grow the podcast and get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the talented young central defender by speaking to Brian. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouts podcast. How have you been? Hey, Adam. I have been really well. Um... I got, I have like so much fun talking about Larson in the last podcast, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this one as well because off camera we were saying that we have watched him a lot, and I think he's a really good player and a really interesting one, and I'm really excited about. And it's actually a good time to do this podcast on Doyle as well because by the time this podcast is released, obviously Coventry may be a Premier League side. They may not. Luton Town yeah. may go up and we will see the Luton Town away end photos for months and months on end. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you've posted this, we get it, right? Luton Town having a away end and it's in someone's back garden and they're going to have to spend all this money. We get it. And yes, we get it. Will Steele has no UEFA pro. We get it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of seeing it. I'm, I'm going to like mute the word on Twitter. Luton Town, like I'll mute it. Um, anyway, enough of my sorry, my my very old man and angry rants there. But Coventry may or may not be a Premier League side by the time this podcast is released. But one of the players who have had an exceptional, who has had an exceptional season for Coventry, has been Callum Doyle, of course. Who we're going to talk about in this podcast. Funny enough, this could be, and again, I say could be, this maybe nonsense by the time the podcast is released. This could be his second consecutive promotion because he got promoted with Sunderland last season and he may be getting promoted with Coventry this season. And then he's, but he's still not with any side. He's obviously going back uh, to Manchester City then when the loan ends. Yeah. But as we'll talk about at the end of this podcast, I'll be curious to know what the future holds for Doyle because he's clearly a really talented central defender. But... You look at Manchester City's team, and you think, how does any, <laughs> yeah. how does anyone break into that side? You know, you, even the likes of like Cole Palmer, who come up through the academy, he's not really getting that much of a look in. So you think, 
as a young player, you probably would start weighing up your options because you know you're good enough probably for Premier League football or at least the upper of championship, of course, like with Coventry. So you probably would start weighing up your options a little bit more. And as we'll discuss later in the podcast too, there's interest from Germany too, according to reports. But Brian, what were your first thoughts then when you watched Doyle play? What were your first thoughts of him, your first impressions? Yeah, obviously uh, we have to talk about his primary task that is uh, defensively. And Mm -hmm. I was impressed with what I saw, you know, because... um, well, you you know the player because he's a Manchester City product and all that, and he is still on loan. And obviously, well, Manchester City have one of the best youth academies in England, and you have to be very attentive with the players that are getting out on loan. Like I don't know, Cole Palmer has gone alone, and he's a really good player. And um, it is Michael Voy. yeah, the one of Sheffield, uh, Tommy Doyle. As and Doyle well, as well. You also have is yeah. it uh, Hardwood Bellis? Is he Hardwood Is he on loan or did he? Hardwood Bellis, Bellis at Burnley, and yeah. you know it's a, a crazy amount of of talented players. And then you watch Callum Doyle, and you're amazed with the things he does. You know he's a strong and powerful centre back. Mm-hmm. Like he used very good his body to win aerial or one v one duels, and he knows how to control the opponents. Uh, even when they receive the ball in front of him, he knows how to control them like from behind with his physicality and all that. You know, and at this very young age, um, he knows how to be, you know, because centre-backs at this age of football, they want to be aggressive. They mm-hmm. want to be proactive. They want to step off his line and anticipate passes or receptions between the lines. And at times, young players are very impetuous. Like, they made the things with Ooh, so much nice, aggression. That's, that's a good word. Yeah, that's a very good one. <laughs> and I basically knew that word with Militao, like, three years ago when he signed with Madrid and I read that word and it was a really amazing one. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, but, you know, Do- um, Callum Doyle at his age, he knows and has really good reading of the game of how mm-hmm. he has to use his aggression, you know, to step off his line, to anticipate or win duels. You know, to be aggressive is not only to step off your line and anticipate passes. He's like being aggressive in duels in if he's going to make a tackle, if he's going to push away the opponents with how much strange he does. And in this way, he impressed me because as well as I'm saying, in this modern age of football that centre-backs want to step off their line at any time, it's interesting to see a player that, detects and knows when he has to, when he hasn't, and where he has to go. I do want to say, and I don't mean to sound cliched here, but this season, he's out of Coventry's, I believe they've played 48 games now in the league, because it's, what, 46 in the actual championship uh, regular season, yeah, and then obviously the two so far in the semi, so 48 He's played 41 of them and started 39. Last season, when you look at his stats at Sunderland, 
played 36 games for the Black Cats and started 33 of them. So, like, again, as I said, I'm going to sound cliched, but the best ability is availability. And for such a young guy, and he was, like, last season, he would have been 18 with Sunderland, starting with them at 17, and then he was 18 while he was playing through the season with them. And now he's 19. And he's made, what, almost 80 appearances in, in the Football League. I mean, that's, like, you know... I always say this to people and I always like to ask coaches and former players who have came up through the academy system when they come on the podcast as well. Luke Chadwick said it to me there two weeks ago when he was on the podcast and he said that being in the youth academy only gets you so far. He said, but it was when he went out on loan to Royal Antwerp in Belgium on loan a few times is when he really developed into a man in terms of his readiness for men's force team football. And when you look at like Callum Doyle, He'll be, he's such a better player this season than he was at Sunderland. And he'll be such a better player next season, I can guarantee you that, because he's had that experience and he's playing every single week. And obviously fighting for promotion too, which helps when you're winning because your your confidence isn't on the floor, which is obviously massively beneficial too. But the, as I said, the best availability is, or the best ability is availability. And I think to play almost 80 games as a teenager in men's professional football in Division three and or, or sorry tier three and two, I think that's amazing. I really do. I think that was one of the stats that surprised me the most. What I do want to talk about though is his positioning. He's left footed, and yeah. obviously being left footed, you'll mainly play as the left sided centre back. At Coventry, they play with a back three, so he usually plays as the left of the tree. But he's also been, he's also been tasked with playing in the middle, which is huge for a, a player that young. There was also a game, and it maybe happened a few more times, there was one game against Middlesbrough at the start of the season, I believe, where he played as a right centre-back in the back three, in, because Mark Robbins usually plays a 3 4 one too. I don't know, personally, yeah. that's a pet peeve of mine. I, I wouldn't play a left-foot centre-back on the right, but anyway, that's just my own yeah. personal opinion. He actually had a great game as well, though, against Middlesbrough. But what I want to ask you, Brian, is... Why is playing as a central centre def- central defender much more difficult than playing as a wide centre back? Or do you think there's? Well, I mean, what's the difference there? Because I like I find it really impressive that he's been given license or been been trusted by the manager to play in that central role, which I I yeah. believe involves a lot more defensive discipline. You know, first of all, um, right footed centre backs have this easier maybe um, idea to play as a left centre-back, you know? Um, To watch him play as a right centre-back being Mm -hmm. left-footed is really crazy to think, like, how good he adapts them to different zones of the pitch and roles. That is really good to see on a player of his age. And then the, the, the difficulty of playing as a... The, the middle center back, you know, um, in a back three, you have to be so aware of what is happening in every, like every height of the pitch and every zone of the pitch. You need to cover wide center backs because when you're playing on a back three, wide center backs have licenses and more freedom, like mm-hmm. to be aggressive, to step off their lines and um, to pick the ball and drive it and they are obviously creating spaces behind and if they lose the ball you have to be very attentive and you know 
normally the middle center back on a back three is an older player with a lot of experience and a really good interpretation of the game because you need to be intelligent and you need to be so calm to recognize that you have to be so you, you the determination to step off mm -hmm. your line if you have to to time players if they are running against you because the wide center back have created space and when you're defending the box it's you're like the main focus mm -hmm. you have to be a leader you have to communicate and you have to be uh just so concentrated on what is happening around you you know and to defend as a tree as the middle center back inside the box is really difficult you know it's like normally when you're playing on a back four you're covering one zone like the right zone and you can step off and you can go to a 1v1 duel but when you're playing on the middle you're normally in the box always in the penalty spot or maybe a little bit uh, more to one side if the play is going to that like that area and it's very very difficult in that in, in that way and i really think he has showed the ability to to play in different roles like as middle center back as a wide center back and i really think he can play in a back four yeah well that, that, that was actually my next question that i was going to ask you do you think he can play consecutively in a back four and obviously we have your answer there and i do tend to agree obviously it's probably a little easier to adapt to a back three when you're that young because you'll have two defensive partners with you and you'll have your wing backs covering and, and whereas in a back two as such a, an inexperienced player managers I feel would be less inclined to give you time to I mean play in that role because like I always say this I feel like apart from maybe goalkeeper centre backs are usually kind of the late Latest bloom, latest blooming position. Does that make sense? Have I, have I made any sense there? Like, I mean, like you look at Matthias De Ligt, he, he's, I believe, starting to play extremely well now. But like, he was criticized for a good while when he first went to Juventus because he was struggling. And obviously, Ajax, he did really well. But when he moved to a top five league, then he struggled a bit more. And then you look at players like Virgil van Dijk, who, you know, developed at like 26 into the player he is yeah. now. Or uh, Sergio Ramos was a right back for years. People don't realise that. You know, it was always Pepe and I think Jose played Raul Albi all the time with Pepe. You know, so yeah, Sergio Ramos exactly. was a right back. So it's like, yeah, I think at centre back, especially in a back a back like four with two central defenders, managers are less inclined to give you that trust to play there. Whereas obviously in a back three, thankfully, Callum Doyle has been trusted by his manager Robbins to flourish and flourish he certainly has but i actually want to say one more thing as well because this is not really something we can analyze or quantify his former teammate of sunderland bailey wright once said that callum doyle will be a future england captain now that's a big that's a big yeah, statement a big to make it's a call, big yeah. yeah it's a big weight to put on someone's shoulders but it is worth saying that it, like Callum Doyle was 17 when he first went to Sunderland and then turned 18 obviously throughout the season. And he is being labelled by experienced teammates as a, as a leader. I think that really shows character. And again, as I said, it's not you can't really quantify that, but I think it's important to note as well that there is that side yeah. of Callum Doyle. 
a real leadership or real leadership qualities in him for such a literally a, a literally a teenager. Um, so I wanted to mention that. Let's talk about his in possession qualities on Bryant because obviously yeah. in possession is becoming so so important for for a centre back and well, for centre backs too. Yeah. So talk to me about his in possession qualities. Whether you think he's what what areas you think maybe he can improve on, or what areas you think he is really impressive when he has the ball, especially when he plays on that left side of the tree. Yeah, for me, Callum Doyle has a very a solid high, uh, passing range. Um, he can execute a wide variety of passes. You know, uh, he looks to connect with teammates in several zones of the pitch. You have, you can see centre backs that doesn't tend to break lines through the middle mm-hmm. and they are used to connect from their position to the wide areas normally. But Callum Doyle has the ability to me to connect with several players around the pitch in different heights and zones of and channels of the pitch. And in fact, I think he, you know, he, he takes advantage of link him up with teammates like behind the opposition mm-hmm. not into space but to connect in the half spaces between the lines and through these little gaps of the opposition's block he has this vision to to watch players and in, in in really different angles and and spots in possession and of the ball like trying to be dynamic in a back four or back three he's always showing the near teammate like he can be an option to restart um possessions and all that to then quickly uh, create an, a, a a dynamic attack and that is really good to see on a player because we are always focused on what he can do with it like in possession with the ball on his feet like passing and all that but when a player is not shy to offer himself as a passing option every time mm-hmm. to restart or something like that to be him the one that receives and then um, energizes possessions it's a really good thing to have and we're talking about a 19 year old player you know um i do want to ask you though is do you think sometimes he may be i don't want to say rushes I suppose, yeah, I can suppose I can say rushes. Do you think he kind of or forces? That's a better word. Do you think he forces play a little bit, a bit too much? Sometimes he can be too keen to break the lines and too keen yeah, to get like, the ball forward. Where, like, because there was a couple of examples where I watched him, and I think it was against one against Swansea, or maybe it was Middlesbrough again, where he or Blackburn. That's who it was. It was Blackburn. Apologies. He tried to make a pass which wasn't really on and the angle was closed because I think it was Ben Brereton Diaz was covering the pass and into the into the double pivot or to the nearest pivot player and instead of just squaring it back to the middle into the central centre back he just yeah. tried to force the pass and they lost possession and, and the ball went down his channel I think he defended it well but the risk is still there like you're not always going to win your duels yeah he obviously as I said he has the ability to connect with this Mm-hmm. Uh, players and break lines and all that but at times yeah I feel he that he can rush sometimes his decisions and but I think he evolved throughout the season you know in some matches of 
maybe the the first round like of uh twenty three matches in in the championship, he was a bit uh he was so aggressive trying to progress. You know, every time he picked the ball, he wanted to go forward and he wanted to break lines and all that. And with time in the last 10 or, yeah, maybe 10 to, yeah, I think 10 matches. Um, I'm a championship fan and I really watch mm -hmm. several matches. I think you, you as well watch several matches of I love the championship I've always loved yeah. the championship it's always been a league I just adore because I I love the yeah. fact that it can be I, I feel like and so I know I'm I'm, I'm going to go into a bit of a tangent again I feel like it will be ruined in the near future because of parachute payments back down from when teams are relegated from the Premier League down and I know this year isn't a great example of that because Norwich didn't bounce back up Watford didn't bounce back up Burnley have so it's worked out for Burnley but uh, I, I like. I think in the in the near future there'll be enough teams that have gone down and got parachute payments that the league will just become less yeah. competitive. Whereas I feel like this season you've Luton and Coventry with such tiny budgets and like such unlikely teams to get promoted, and they're in, one of them is going up. And I think that's just such a beautiful story, and I, I, I that's why I've all, that's why I've always loved the championship. Yeah, with appearances of this kind of managers like Carrick, Russell, Martin, and. You know, now Karen McKenna is going to be on the championship and mm -hmm. so many good managers in in the in the league right now. Well, Michael Beale was there with Queen's Park Rangers. Second at one stage early in the season. And then yeah, the at one stage and he left and then the, the They nearly got relegated. <laughs> yeah, they nearly got relegated, yeah. And it's crazy to see the obviously the evolution of the championship. I love the championship since it was a direct league, like in mm -hmm. 2015, 2014, that it was my time starting to watch Premier League football. Um, it, it, it's crazy to think that right now it's tactically so good and so varied. And you have players of a older age that really play so good, you know, the Barry Bannon this style of players and then you have Callum Doyle and this lot of loanies that are really really good and well we we, we were kept so far from the point that I, that I was telling well no but, but, but actually just keeping on that because it's, it's a good point yeah Sim similarly to Callum Doyle last season you had Levi Caldwell at Huddersfield and exactly, he's of course a left foot yeah. defender in a league that has always been notoriously physical I'm not saying these aren't physical players, but they're more technical as well. And they're great ball playing central defenders where, you know, you, sometimes you do expect the, the the Ross McCormick type centre forwards in the championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have in, in the same team, like in the same team as, as Callum Doyle in Coventry, you have Victor Giocares, which is, yeah. yes, he's a big player. He's in, in terms of physicality. He's really good playing with his back to goal. But then, he is, I think, one of the players that dribbled the most into the championship. Yeah. And that's really crazy to see. And now we, we are seeing year by year centre-backs that are really good on the ball, are really good progressing the ball. And Levi Colwell last season was amazing. Mm -hmm. you know. And now we have Harwood Bellis at Burnley. We have Callum Doyle. We have um, Jordan Bayer as well. You know, it's really good to see that. 
And I always make this point when we're talking about a player that always wants to be vertical and always wants to progress. It's not a bad thing to have that at your young age. Mm-hmm. You just only need a little bit more of tactical interpretation when you have the ball and things are going to be better. And the point I was making, it was in the last 10 matches, I have seen how he tries to manipulate more the tempo of the possessions and all that is obviously not a facet that he has improved completely. But he has... Uh, I, I, I watch him in the last matches and he has been into it. And I really like what I see, what, what I have saw and what I'm seeing normally when I watch Coventry. And I am really keen on watching that final against Luton because... It's going to be a really nice one. I, I think we haven't got a a final like this in several years, like two teams that have been so well, away. The last one that reminds me of it was, I remember, was a 27-day in Huddersfield face Reading. And I was really surprised yeah. both of them were there. And I was thinking that, like, I think Yap Stam was the Reading manager. And obviously David Wagner yeah. was the Huddersfield manager. I remember thinking like, I fear for both of these teams if they go up into the Premier League. Huddersfield went up and stayed up, which is obviously they went down the very season after. But staying up was pretty impressive. Yeah, but, so they, they, I'm not going. I'm not going to say whoever goes up is going to get have a Derby County 2007-8 season like yeah. I think, with especially with the the money they'll receive from winning the playoff, it'll probably help. Yeah, them. but like, and they, the, um, the thing with, with with Coventry and Lutheran obviously is that the fact that we have to see how they use the money and yeah. All that, and because they they're not, I don't know, teams like Sheffield or Burnley that they have this mm-hmm. Premier League recent uh, context and all that. Huddersfield obviously had a really good manager at that time, and yeah. a really good system. I, I think it lasts two or three years in the Premier League, isn't it? They, uh, Huddersfield, yeah, two years. They were, yeah, two years. They stayed up in the fourth season. Or I think they, I think they stayed up with a draw. Champions Chelsea, which was a huge. Uh, obviously, Ch- Ch- Chelsea had a poor season that season, but it, they were, I believe, they were still the champions at the time from the year before. But yeah, they stayed up, and then the next season they got like probably I think it was seven or seventeen points, not even twelve points or something. It was it was crazy. They were, and this is uh, a this is going to be a really good context to see Callum Doyle because teammates always. Talk about him as he at his young age that he's going to be the captain of England that mm-hmm. he's going to, that he's a leader and all that that he has the the ability to communicate the things well on the pitch off the pitch and all that and this is a basically at his this moment of his career is the biggest game of his career you know yeah and, and even for everyone for everyone at both teams you know and. Um, this one is going to be a really good context to see his decision making, his body language, if he's going to be composed, if he's going to be calm. I'm really looking forward to see him. And I think um, when this podcast is out, we the, it is going to be the listeners are going to know if they yeah, are they will. or yeah, they're yeah. going to know. So at the so time, we're just guessing now, but they will know. Yeah, exactly. At, at this time, we obviously don't know. We know they are in the finals. But I really think, and this is a question I wanted to ask you, you think 
if Coventry goes up, obviously he's a Manchester City player, but Coventry, if they go up, they will want to secure another loan at least. It's, you it's see a... him, you see, like you see him in the Premier League with Coventry or without Coventry the next season. It's a great question that actually leads into the the final part of this podcast is his future because as we mentioned, it's incredibly difficult to break into Manchester City's team. Nobody yeah. has really done it by Phil Foden, and you can kind of say Cole Palmer and maybe Rico Lewis, but even at that, it's been choppy at best. And you know, I feel like in terms of like permanently staying in the starting eleven, they're probably still way off that. And when Callum Doyle comes back, there's so many top quality centre backs at Manchester City, such as Ruben Diaz and. Of course, Akanji can play there and John Stones is there and Nathan Ake can play there. You have Taylor Hardwood Bellis coming back from his loan spell as well. Like just so many yes, quality yeah. young or quality central defenders that really aren't old either. So it's going to be really difficult to break in. So I can, if Coventry go up, yeah, I can see him going back to Coventry for a loan, another year loan as a way to prepare him for, I suppose, or to give him minutes like for. Premier League football. I mean, it's it, that, that that would be huge, and he's gone from League One to the Championship, and then hopefully to the Premier League. And I think that would be a really, really great move for him, just to go another one year loan to Coventry, see how he fares in the Premier League, and then maybe decide his future at the end of that season. Obviously, that is fully dependent on whether Coventry go up or not. There are also reports that there's clubs in Germany linked with his signature at the moment. I believe Eintracht Frankfurt are the team that are being linked to him because they are about to lose uh, Evan Indica. And I yeah. know they've signed, is it, is it Pan? Is, Pacho, yeah. William Pacho, Pacho, sorry, William Pacho, they signed maybe to replace him. Maybe they're looking for even more backup in, in the team and that's why they've been linked to him. What do you think then? Do you think, or where do you see his future lie? Because personally, I can't see it being at Manchester City. Yeah, personally, either I, I, I don't see him in in Manchester City the next season or something like that, you know, Manchester City have so many lone players that could fit there, but the amount of talented players and like settled players, experienced ones, and it's difficult for the younger ones. And I, I think if Coventry goes up or if they don't go up, um, I think we're going to see Callum Doyle in the Premier League next season. You know, he has the talent to to be there. And even at clubs like Bournemouth or something like that, Aston Villa, maybe, which they need a centre-back as well as Wolves. There are several teams. Or Burnley, I mean, because Burnley have lost. They're going to lose their centre-backs as well. Exactly, yeah. Burnley could be a really good choice. Uh, They have to see if they retain some players that were on loan and all that and some teams are going to lose players. Even Brighton is yeah. going to lose Levi Col- Levi Colwell, and then mm-hmm. they—it's basically the same movement, you know. Obviously, Colwell is a, yeah. a different player with a different build, physical build. I mean, but I think several teams in the Premier League are going to be interested on on Callum Doyle. Yeah. If even if Coventry goes up, because. Obviously, other teams are going to offer him mm-hmm. a different amount of wages and all that. And 
it, it's going to be his choice if he wants to go on loan to Coventry or he wants to be sold already. Yeah. And I think some teams are going to be interested in paying yeah. some money to Manchester City to, to get him. And even though that England, Eintracht Frankfurt is interested in him, like in reality, he's a rumor. And some teams that Germany could as well be interested, like Leverkusen or Dortmund, because they have two left center, mm. uh, left footed center backs, uh, which are in Capier or and and Schlotterbeck yeah. in Dortmund, re- respectively, in Leverkusen and Dortmund. And there are two players that can be sold the next summer or something like that. And Chelsea and other teams are so interested in them. And some teams like that, they could definitely be on and they want to bring some more young English talent to the league. And he has the talent, he has the capacity. So obviously he has things to improve. I think the step for the Premier League is the next one for him. I, I think, think so too. I don't. I don't think yeah. going to. I mean, obviously, yeah. he, there's a chance he could end up in Germany, but I think. I think he's. He's definitely ready for that next step up to the Premier League, and I would love to see how he fares in the Premier League. Obviously, whether it be with Coventry or maybe with a Burnley if they go up, but obviously Vincent Company has great contacts with Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, so maybe that could be a deal on the cards. As a whole host of club, I'm sure will be interested in him. But with that, we will wrap up this episode of the podcast. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this chat talking about Callum Doyle. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoy it as well. And make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends, and family, as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.